0: Sometimes you need to hit the pause button as a clinician
1: um, and a researcher and say, hang on, this is what my underlying assumption is.
2: We want to be evidence based practitioners, but in fact, this is just how we should practice.
1: Ethics is every part of every clinical decision that we make.
2: And what it is that we do is we make lives better. Welcome to Speak Up, the Speech Pathology Australia podcast. This podcast series highlights conversations with esteemed contributors in the speech pathology space. We explore key issues in the profession in a short and easy-to-listen-to format. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. I would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which I live, work, and learn, as well as the listeners throughout Australia who are participating. And I pay respect to the elders past, present, and emerging. Hello, my name is Nathan Cornish-Raley, and I'm the Professional Support Advisor at Speech Pathology Australia. On the 21st of October, the association launched its updated Code of Ethics, which is one of SPA's core documents and is a work that was a few years in the making. So with me today to talk about the updated Code of Ethics and what it means for us is Trish Johnson, Speech Pathology Australia's Manager of Ethics and Professional Issues, and Nadia Marujinsky, our Ethics Advisor. Nadia and Trish, thank you for being here.
1: Thanks, Nate. Thanks for having us.
2: So I think that most speech pathologists understand that we have a code of ethics and that it's something we need to follow. But can you tell us more about what purpose it serves and maybe why it's important to speech pathologists and even members of the public?
0: Thanks, Nate. This is Nadia. Um, and. I guess a lot of what we have heard from members over the years is that they sort of see the code of ethics as almost like a set of rules that they have to follow. And and with the 2020 code of ethics, we're really keen to dispel some of that myth. The code of ethics is about supporting the decisions that you're making on a daily basis. It's about making sure that you are supported and that you have the resources available to make the best ethical and evidence-based decision that is available to you. And some of those things that come up along those lines are um, that we now have the professional standards, which are launching in January 2021, and that the Code of Ethics and the professional standards are, are two parallel documents that are really need to be read together and understood together. And so an example of how that impacts a speech pathologist on their daily life and their daily practice is around supervision. So the standards are now saying that that is something that every speech pathologist needs to have at every point throughout their career. And the code of ethics reflects that in saying that it's around ensuring that you have adequate support to do the job that you're doing.
2: Thank you. And I'm also thinking about you know members of the public and how the you know code of ethics is reflected through the work that we do as speech pathologists um, and, and to the clients that we serve. Um, so I guess, ultimately, how does that end up serving members of the public?
1: In terms of speech pathology, we do have the trust and confidence of the public in us as professionals. And so a big part of how we can maintain that trust and respect is to demonstrate ethical and professional conduct at all times. So the code of ethics is it provides the values and principles that we can use to base our decisions on but it also has reasonably explicit standards in terms of our professional and ethical conduct and how we interact with our clients, how we interact with our colleagues, with our employers, with other members of a team that we might work within all goes to reflect how we are ethical and professional. And by knowing and understanding the code of ethics and thinking about how we might apply it when we are working as a speech pathologist, that's how we can be confident that we are making appropriate decisions and we are being ethical and professional. So the public interacts with us on a day-to-day basis and how we interact back with them really needs to demonstrate that we are acting in a way that we show we understand what it means to be ethical and professional.
0: And, and Trish, it's also worth noting in here that the Speech Pathology Australia Code of Ethics um, is just one of the supports that are available to the public to ensure that they're getting services that are appropriate for their needs. There's also the um, NDIS Code of Conduct if you are working with an NDIS participant and or their family. And also the National Code of Conduct that... Um, also governs every speech pathologist, whether they're a member with us or not.
2: Thank you. Um, And so why was the Code of Ethics recently updated?
1: Well, the association has a requirement to review the Code of Ethics every 10 years. The last version of the Code of Ethics was published in 2010, so we were due for an upgrade. But also, if you consider the changes in in our in Australian society, over the last ten years, the changes in speech pathology practice, the changes in how we relate to our clients, for example, through uh, consumer directed care funding programs such as the NDIS and also My aged Care, the nature of delivery of speech pathology service actually has changed fairly significantly in the last ten years. So it was very timely to do it anyway. We also the association was also really keen to make sure that. Uh, we are focusing on our obligations and responsibilities towards Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and also respecting and responding appropriately to other cultural and other diversity that is now much more um, much more, acknowledged within our community and within Australian society. So all of those are, are pretty significant ethical issues. Um, those alone would have been enough to trigger a review of the Code of Ethics, but it was also timely for a whole num- number of other reasons, including uh, the updated understanding of what evidence-based practice means. So putting all those reasons together, there were a lot of reasons why it was appropriate to review the Code of Ethics and certainly being involved in the Ethics Board discussions. Um, I don't know if you want to have a comment on this, Nadia, as well, but um, there was certainly a lot of eagerness and excitement about having the opportunity to undertake a major review because there was so much change that we needed to reflect.
0: Absolutely, and I think another thing that um, is worth thinking about that's changed in the last ten years is is just the the way that we communicate with clients and the way that we market our services of speech pathologists. I mean, ten years ago in twenty ten, you know, Facebook and all of the other social media was it was around, but it wasn't anywhere near as prevalent in our daily lives as as it is today. And and that's something that we really need to be thinking about in terms of ensuring that we have longevity and that we're putting all of all of our client-focused thoughts at the forefront of the decisions that we're making, that we're making all of the decisions about how we advertise and what sorts of things we put on social media and, and how we communicate with clients on social media, all of that's at the forefront of our mind, along with the ethical decision-making frameworks that, that we've been talking a little bit about, just to, just to ensure that that client safety is, is really there because it's so second nature to us at this point in time that it does become a little bit cloudy for some people at some times.
2: You've mentioned some of the general changes and you know, uh, reasons for changing the code of ethics. I wonder if there are any specific changes uh, in the new code that you think that uh, members should be aware of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there are a lot of similarities in terms of the content of the 2020 code that um, members who are familiar with the 2010 code will will see. Um, however, we wanted to really change how members think about the code and how people are using it. So it's not something that you you sort of need to check off of. It's something that should be the, the hub of where you go to to help make yourself make those decisions that you're making every single day. Every clinical decision you're making is an e- is an ethical decision. So you. need to be thinking about okay well gosh this this client's just come in and their parent has just told me that they have a parenting order so go to the code of ethics click on the parenting order um, link and it will take you to some resources that will help you make a decision about what your next steps are and how you make Um, the most appropriate decision for that client in that moment in time. So the biggest difference is, is that it's all very interactive and we have designed it in a way that we want you to be using it online rather than a paper copy. And we want you to be able to look at it and click through and find resources that help make a decision. And we want that to be sort of a hub and sort of your first port of call.
1: Also, something else that members uh, can consider is the emphasis in the 2020 code on person centered care and how that is can be reflected in our professional practice so when we're making decisions about what sort of intervention we need to we are thinking of providing for a client, how do we involve the client and their the key stakeholders in that discussion so again it's it's really focusing on activities that and um, decision making that we probably did a lot of previously, but it's making it more overt in the 2020 code. And so that's a real benefit of reading through it and understanding it.
2: I'm thinking about those who are graduating from university and all the new experiences and challenges that come with starting their career. Is there anything in particular they should know about the code of ethics or special considerations for this phase of their career?
1: Look, that is such a great question, Nate, because I find this particularly exciting to think about As a brand new speech pathologist, uh, new to the career, new to the profession, new to the world of working as a speech pathologist, this is such a fantastic opportunity, and and I'm sorry if I'm sounding a little bit trite, but it really is a time when you can consider, okay, how am I going to behave as a speech pathologist for the rest of my professional career? Whether you uh, work as a speech pathologist for 10, 20, 30 or 60 years, this is the time when you can set, how are you going to do that? you're developing your professional relationships, you're, you're developing your professional persona. And so at this time, if new graduates can consider, okay, what does it mean to be ethical and professional? What does that mean in, in terms of how I relate to my clients? How do I interact with my clients? But also equally as importantly, how do I relate and interact with my colleagues? How do I relate and interact with my employer? Some of the queries that Nadia and I re- are receiving from early career speech pathologists relate to those employment relationships, and sometimes they can get to a situation where it's really fraught with tension because the the communication has broken down. If there can be some understanding right back at the beginning that, by being consciously aware of how we communicate, how we negotiate, uh, how we raise questions, how we it's reasonable to have questions and queries. Um, all throughout your career but particularly as a, an early career and new graduate speech pathologist how we go about interacting with our employer about those is is key it sets up a positive working relationship where we have trust where we have respect and where we benefit each each party benefits from that positivity in the relationship so i think as you start your career i really encourage you to to take a minute just to reflect on how can i embed the values and principles that the Code of Ethics explains explicitly into how I'm behaving. Absolutely.
0: And I think as well some of the things that we almost take for granted as people that have been out for a little while it's, it's really important to almost make it habitual to be doing these sorts of things. So even something as simple as, as writing your, your notes after every session, ensuring that you have that little bit of time so that it becomes second nature. It's not something that you have to think about, Oh, how am I going to find time to finish this? It's, it's built into your everyday and then um, some additional communication that you can send off to the client or their families or, or their significant people in their lives, that that's just, it's, it's habit. And it's something that you don't have to necessarily think about because it's second nature to you. And that will really set you up so well for everything else that's going to come after that, because it's, um, there's such key decisions that need to be made on a daily basis.
2: Thank you. And one final question. Uh, What resources are there for learning more about the code of ethics and how to implement it into our practice?
0: Well, there's lots of resources that the code of ethics itself has um, has links to. So the first thing I would encourage people to do is to go and have a look on our webpage at the the code of ethics. Um, if you go through, at the moment um, we have a banner, so that would make it very easy to find it. Um, otherwise, if you go down through members and then ethics, there's a link there. Um, and the other thing that we have on our learning hub is a, a little course, which is basically just gonna talk you, walk you through everything. There's a couple of videos, there's a couple of um, scenarios that you can apply the code to. And that's a nice little way to become a little bit more familiar with it as well. And that's free to members.
1: Other resources that early career speech pathologists may be interested in are the uh, the ethics education resources which you can find under the members tab and in the ethics section as well, and also decision making resources so as you become more confident and more familiar with making your the clinical decisions that you do make every day have a look at those worksheets in particular they might present a new way of thinking about a particular ethical issue and and open up your eyes to something else so have a look at all the range and uh, see what suits you
2: well thank you very much uh this has been a very helpful discussion about the code of ethics and and understanding it and implementing it so we appreciate your time and uh trisha nadia thank you
1: Thanks, Nate. It was great to have the opportunity to talk about the 2020 Code of Ethics today. And if members have any queries or ethical issues they want some advice on help to talk things through, then they can always contact us at National Office. Our email addresses are on the website under the staff section of the website.
2: Trisha and Nadia, thank you.
1: Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate.
2: We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. And bye for now.